Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. We're here on day 775, and we've come to the Song of Solomon, chapter 5. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the wonderful book of the Song of Solomon, such beautiful poetic language, and it celebrates love and intimacy, and it reminds us both of our calling as husbands and wives to the commitment of our marriage and intimacy with our spouses, but also it reminds us of Christ and his love for his church and our love for our Lord, and we pray that you would help us to see both of these things as we continue through this book and help us to respond to your word, understand it, live it, and love you for how wonderful you are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Song of Solomon, chapter 5. I come, I came to my garden, my sister, my bride. I gathered my myrrh with my spice. I ate my honeycomb with my milk. I drank, boy, I can't even read today, can I? Let's try this again. I came to my garden, my sister, my bride. I gathered my myrrh with my spice. I ate my honeycomb with my honey. I drank my wine with my milk. Eat, friends, drink, and be drunk with love. I slept, but my heart was awake. A sound. My beloved is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one, for my head is wet with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. I had put off my garment. How could I put it on? I had bathed my feet. How could I soil them? My beloved put his hand to the latch, and my heart was thrilled within me. I arose to open to my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the bolt. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had turned and gone. My soul failed me when he spoke. I sought him, but found him not. I called him. But he gave no answer. The watchmen found me as they went about in the city. They beat me. They bruised me. They took away my veil, those watchmen of the walls. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that if you find my beloved, that you tell him I am sick with love. What is your beloved more than another beloved, O most beautiful among women? What is your beloved more than another beloved that you thus adjure us? My beloved is radiant and ruddy, distinguished among ten thousand. His head is the finest gold. His locks are wavy, black as a raven. His eyes are like doves beside streams of water, bathed in milk, sitting beside a full pool. His cheeks are like beds of spices, mounds of sweet-smelling herbs. His lips are lilies, dripping liquid myrrh. His arms are rods of gold set with jewels. His body is polished ivory bedecked with sapphires. His legs are alabaster columns set on bases of gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet, and he is altogether desirable. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. That is Song of Solomon, chapter Five. So it's the, we're in the middle of this dream sequence, I think, that goes from uh, chapter three 
to chapter six, a lot of this feels very dreamlike. Um, there was this invitation to a garden, you know, at, at the end of chapter four, he had asked if he could come into the garden and she said, come to let my beloved come to his garden and eat its choicest fruits on a romantic level. This is an invitation to, uh, to sexual intimacy, to, to intimate, uh, fellowship, um, to, to being together in a very close way. And so he says, I come to my sister, my garden, my sister, my bride, I gathered my myrrh with my spice. I ate my honeycomb with my honey. I drank my wine with my milk. So, so there's, there's an expectation that when he goes to be with his bride, he will enjoy being with her. Part of this is, is sexual language, but part of it's also probably just the fact that she's going to be providing for him, um, honey and wine and milk and, and things to just enjoy time together. Right. And so, um, she prepares these things and he delights to receive them for the church and our relationship with Christ. Christ desires intimate fellowship with us. He desires to know us and to, and to be with us. And, and we give to Christ out of the abundance of what he has provided for us. We give worship from hearts that he has set free. We sing praises with, with tongues that he has given us to be able to speak. We, we pour out our prayers and we commune with him, but also we give, we give generously to support the work of the church as an act of worship to worship King Jesus, just as the, 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 the bride here provides the myrrh and the spice and the honeycomb with the honey and the wine with the milk, these, these, Simple and yet wonderful things, things that smell good, things that taste good, things that are pleasant. So we should be giving to Christ our lives as a living sacrifice, our worship from hearts that are set free in spirit and in truth, and of the abundance of our material possessions for the work of the kingdom and for the glory of Christ. And the celebration of the others. I think this is the angels in many ways. We could see that metaphorically or allegorically. The angels looking on in the worship. We we know that from First Corinthians, the angels observe our worship, and they and they uh, observe our relationship with Christ, which is much more intimate than the relationship angels have with Christ, because Christ didn't become an angel to redeem angels; he became human to redeem his people. And so there's this celebration, um, but also it is, I think, a lesson for the church. Again, we've said this before: if we have friends who are married, we should be encouraging them to enjoy one another and, you know, everything from agreeing to babysit uh, a young couple's young kids so that they can go out on a date night, uh, encouraging them to spend time together, encouraging them to get away for an overnight maybe, you know, we, we should be celebrating marital love, but also we should remember that the angels rejoice uh, and, and they long to look into the intimate relationship that we, the church, have with, with Christ. Now there's this strange scene that starts here where uh, I think it's part of the dream sequence. It's unclear whether or not this is waking her up from the dream sequence or whether this is just still part of the dream sequence. It seems so dreamlike in what happens that it seems like it's part of the dream sequence. And so there's a sound, there's knocking at the door, there's open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one, for my head is wet with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. 
and and there's this stuckness. You ever be in a dream and you know where you're supposed to be and you know what you're supposed to do, but you're kind of stuck where you are and you can't seem to get past even the silliest, smallest things would keep you from going where you know you're supposed to go. It's like, I put off my garment. How can I put it on? I've bathed my feet. How can I soil them? These are not serious objections if your husband is at the door knocking and you are going to get up and open the door and let him in and welcome him into the marriage bed. You don't say, oh, but I can't put a robe on or I can't put a, you know, some clothing on. I can't, I can't get my feet dirty walking to the door. Like that's just not a serious thing, but that's in a dream. You could, you could imagine being sort of hindered by those things. And so also this idea that he puts his hand to the latch um, and her heart was thrilled, right? And then um, she has this liquid myrrh on her hand as she's opening the bolt, which seems kind of strange in, 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 in reality, although it seems like the kind of thing that would happen in a dream. What, what is happening here? Well, she goes out and she's looking and the, the, the beloved by that time has turned and gone again. It doesn't seem like if he really wanted to get in, he really wanted to be with his wife, he would wait for her to open the door. He wouldn't be gone when when she opens the door. So it seems, again, like a dream sequence. But what, what is the point here? Well, the point here is, I think, on two levels, again, in a marriage, sometimes our desire for romance, our desire for intimacy, our desire to just be alone together, it doesn't, doesn't line up, doesn't connect. Sometimes the husband is ready for that and the wife's not ready. And then by the time the wife is ready for that, the husband is not ready. And that happens. That happens in, in all marriages. There's sort of a disconnect of timing um, with the desire to be together. Um, but also for our relationship with Christ. Sometimes Christ is standing at the door knocking, like he said um, to the church in, in Revelation, to the church at Laodicea, I stand at the door and I knock. And whoever opens the door, I'll, I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. He's standing at the door, he's knocking. Right, he's he's wanting to come in, and sometimes we're just busy, distracted, um, stressed out, overwhelmed. We're not we're not focusing on Christ. We're not spending time with Him. And then, aren't there also times when we go to the Word and we go to prayer and we want to be intimate with Christ, and it just feels like He's a million miles away? Like we're just reading words on a page. We're just speaking words into the air. Like there doesn't seem to be the assurance and the comfort from the Holy Spirit coming to our hearts in that time. And so that can be some of that, some of that disconnect as well. But notice how she acts. She is pursuing even through persecution. And here I think this is a great illustration for the church in verse 7. Not too many places in life where you could think for a wife to want to be with her husband, she's going to get beaten and bruised. But there are places in the world where if the church wants to gather to worship the Lord, the watchmen, the security, the army, the police of their city would beat them and bruise them. And that is, that's the reality of the persecuted church. And that's been a normal experience for many of God's people throughout the centuries and around the world today. And so we should be willing to endure hardship to be with Christ because he is our beloved and we are sick with love for him. We need Jesus. We need more of Jesus. We should be willing to put aside our cell phones and put aside our busy schedules and make time to be with Christ. The others ask, what is your beloved more than another beloved? 
O most beautiful among women, what is your beloved more than another beloved that you thus adjure us? Right? You adjure us that if you find my beloved, tell him I'm sick with love. And so she says, she praises her husband. She is captivated. She is in love with her husband. She praises his, his physical appearance. She praises his attributes. Very detailed. His hair, his, his eyes, his, his body. She loves her husband and she is praising to other people how great her husband is. We, married people, should always speak well of our spouse to other people. We should love our spouse, we should appreciate our spouse, and we should speak well of them to others. We should delight in one another, and that delight should be obvious to people who are around us and who hear good things coming from our mouth about our husband or about our wife. But also, for the church... This is a call for us to know Christ and his attributes and to meditate on all the ways in which Christ is altogether lovely. John Flavel, one of my favorite of all the Puritan writers, is really good at this, meditating on the surpassing excellence of Christ and all of his attributes, his great wisdom and power, his great love his knowledge of us, his pursuit of us, his saving action toward us. We, we should delight in Christology, which is the study of Christ and all of his attributes. And, and that should be something that, that we take pleasure in because we love him. And to love him, we want to know more about him and we want to study him and to study his heart. Of course, we're going to find his heart in scripture. But we need to pay attention to those places in scripture like the, the Christ hymn that's in Colossians 1 or the opening of the book of Hebrews where, where Christ is being praised and he's being unfolded as, you know, the radiance of the glory of God and the express image of his person and all the fullness of the Godhead was pleased to dwell bodily in him and he upholds all things by the word of his power. All this language of scripture, we should, we should delight to meditate in it and to know more of Jesus through it. The Psalms are a great way to know the heart of Christ, as in many ways when we go into the Psalms, I'd like to remind you that the Psalms are Christ's own prayer book, that they reflect the heart of Jesus as, as the ultimate man after God's own heart, as the greater than David, uh, the Psalm singer of Israel. So this is a call for us to, to be infatuated. Whether you've been married a short time or a long time, you should be infatuated with your spouse and delight in them, and even more so to delight in Christ and to enjoy and to savor who he is and to be able to tell others about him too. If someone asks you, why, why do you like Jesus? Why, why are you a Christian? What's Jesus to you? Could you tell them? Could you tell them all the attributes of Christ? He is he's the fairest of 10,000. He's the wisest man who ever lived. He's the best perfect in all of his ways. He loves me more than anyone else. He gave his life to redeem me. He is always with me. He never changes. He never fails. Like, can we, can we go on and on to others about Christ, just as the bride here does about her bridegroom? Let's pray. Father, give us that passionate love for Christ, that we would long to speak of him to others, to know him better for ourselves, to delight in him, in our inner heart, in our mind, to save our best thinking and our best, uh, deepest love for Christ 
and then to be willing and eager to tell others about him. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory in the church. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me for Song of Solomon 5. Tomorrow, Song of Solomon 6. Hope you can be with me, and I hope you do have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.